<laughs> hey guys, welcome to the Sea Planner Podcast. My name is David, and I have a very special guest. Her name is Jennifer Gomez. Yeah. She's, um, I guess, a, a, a <laughs> selected series and a Sea Planner follower. I, I definitely am. IG, um, Spotify. <laughs> what, get, what got you interested in our, I guess, our little movement, our little... Uh, way of uh introducing people so for me as soon as i saw that like anybody from the desert i mean i think that's the greatest thing is a lot of people get caught up in like oh it's palm springs it's a like a place to go party or retire stuff but like for us that was home that's like where we grew up so i definitely know you by association of like your brother and then obviously we're all just like friends of friends so to like have anybody starting any type of venture from the desert you want to mm-hmm. support them and then once you like that's kind of like your way into the door but then once you start listening then it's like you're stuck for other reasons so like i love hearing all of your stories going out and finding different people from the valley or finding people with something to say and just giving them a place to speak giving them a place to have a, a voice if they don't have any other place to go oh that's really cool because i i did the the inverse of that so i started the sea planner podcast and i went in looking to see who was following me and or the the, the podcast and I ran into your po- uh, profile, and I I've known you like you said through association, through seeing um, all the likes and the <laughs> comments. And it's really nice of you to support what we're doing. And um, then I started looking at your story, and it uh, really inspired me. Like it really took me back to uh, why I wanted to do the Sea Planner podcast and. Well, now I have you here, and th- thank you for coming, for sure. Of course, I'm, I'm happy to be here, and thank you for having me, for sure. Um, what do you want to start with? Like, uh, you can tell people your the news of you uh, finishing school. Yeah. Ne- ne- what, today? Uh, yeah, today's the last day I, I have to submit some work for my master's, and then in two weeks, I... Two weeks from today, actually, I, I graduate with my master's in education. Congratulations. Thank you. From USC. So, <laughs> go <Hey>. Trojans. <laughs> so, how was uh, the the transition to finishing school through, like, via Zoom meetings and stuff? So, thankfully, my program was already online because um, that's what I chose. So, being an educator, I teach uh, I teach middle schoolers. I needed something that was going to be flexible because sometimes I have kids in after school activities or there's just times when I can't leave the campus. So there was times when I went straight from work and I just logged on into class. Okay. So for me, I started off Zoom the whole time. And I think that's honestly what helped me <laughs> maintain my sanity when we transitioned into Zoom for everything else. <laughs> so you're already ready for that. Yeah, to an extent. Uh, it's it's different for sure, though. Um, I didn't know what to expect out of an online community mm-hmm. for for a master's program like I love being in the classroom I love learning I love teaching but I think when you want to make the most out of something you definitely do um I'd also like to add that during that whole uh this past well how long has it been since you started your first uh um your chemo session uh I started chemo in December so during this whole time you still been <laughs> fighting through it yeah how, how, how does somebody just continue to do what you do like stay positive and motivated like what keeps you going you know what keeps you going there's a few different things so like I'm, I'm looking at my life and um so I started going to USC like mm-hmm. 
I was a UCLA fan <laughs> and I never wanted to go to USC. Um, it's actually my sister-in-law who started going off to USC. Um, she passed away before being able to finish her master's. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go to USC for her as much as I hate it. Same. I didn't think I was going to like it. Never rep red. Now you'll, I'm always repping red. Um, so for me to start my master's journey with her in mind, when I did get my cancer diagnosis, I didn't want that to like stop me. Mm-hmm. So I definitely had a lot of like her influence pushing me. And I think the biggest thing is, you know, when you get diagnosed with cancer, you kind of feel like, okay, now, now that's going to be my life. That's who I am. And it is part of who I am. Like I, I know I'm never going to be that person anymore that I was before, but I don't want it to stop my life. Oh, that's very, that's a good way to look at it. Yeah. Was there any time that you were like, maybe didn't have that mentality? Maybe you were just like. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, I think when I was first diagnosed, it was kind of just a shock. Like it was right in the middle of summer. I was in school still for USC and everything. And so this was last year. Yeah. So I got, <clears throat> I found a lump in June of 2020 so during COVID and then in July I was actually diagnosed and you were doing uh breast screening or were you just (laughs) just showering I was just showering and like it's not like I I was intentionally doing like a routine Mm -hmm. self-check I I, for some reason something fell off and like days before I'd been feeling kind of weird and then I just found something and I'm like, okay, this isn't this isn't normally what I feel. Like I know my body. Right. And just an hour later, I was on the phone with my doctor. Like, hey, I feel something. What What do I do? It's like just completely nervous. It's, so then, what comes next? Like, hey, come in and and we'll get you checked out. So because everything was already super COVID, like this was when we had no idea what was going on. Everything was shut down. Oh, my wow. doctor was only doing virtual calls. So I called like. This was on a Thursday. Um, we, I got a virtual appointment with him on a Tuesday. And I told him, I'm like, listen, I, I don't know what it is. I don't want to even call it a lump. I'm just going to say, it feels like there's something there. Right. And it's never there. So he was like, okay, well, since I, I couldn't go in to go see him, he's like, I'm just going to go send you to get an ultrasound. So that was like two days after that appointment. I managed to get it in quick. And from the ultrasound, they were able to see, yeah, there is something there. And it looks like it. it is, like there is something there that could be breast cancer. So like from that moment, it was like, all right, so now I can officially call it, call it a lump. Like we're actually getting serious now. It's not just, I, I don't know, I didn't just strain something and there's buildup there, or fatty tissue. Um, so from there, I went to a biopsy where they actually take a <laughs> really long needle and they actually go in and pull out samples from that that lump and are you doing this all alone are you all of this has to be alone because of covid because of covid they wouldn't let anybody in for all of this so far it was just like all right you have to go here but yeah we can't allow anybody in here with you they can wait in the car but i'm like well what's the point i don't know how long it's going to take well maybe like well i guess for my more more um specific my question did did any of your family members know did any of your friends know i so i didn't tell any of like my family until after that ultrasound because i was like well what if it's nothing what if i'm just i don't want to get them scared um i definitely had told a few friends too because i'm like well what if i do need transportation to something what if an appointment leaves me 
like weak and incapable to drive um so i i had like a very small close knit group of people that i told right at the beginning just in case i needed that extra support um it wasn't until after my double mastectomy that i came out and i told everybody because i again i i don't want to bring people in and make them feel like scared or nervous for me if i don't even know what it is exactly so that's a good way to look at it and uh, and not start making the future very dreadful Mm -hmm. just focus on the present so that kept you very strong or what kept you going being in that um, in your master's program what kind of kind of kept you all you know together (laughs) yeah it it was a lot of things um so there was definitely my master's like okay i have a goal that i still want to get to so having like that set goal of something in your life and not wanting it to get pushed back because i feel like if i would have taken time off i don't know when i would have graduated or or what if i get too too like caught up in this that i don't go back like I, I, it kind of helped me see what my life can still be after cancer and then not only that like i have two little nieces like i i want them to see their their aunt their tia be strong and and thankfully i've had genetic testing where it it wasn't genetic it wasn't supposed to happen to me it wasn't something that happened in my family but i'm still thinking about them in their future and so i don't want them to feel like if something comes up if there's an obstacle that they should go around it they should go a different way no take that obstacle head on so like for me a lot of it is seeing my family and and seeing my students I didn't want them to have to deal with a long-term sub and like not have their teacher there with them like because then that then they know something's really wrong so it, it, part of it was having a brave face but yeah. but that actually did kind of help me keep going Jesus that's, <laughs> that's really cool um, I was just thinking about your friend that you said passed away before finishing what was what, my, did, did my she, sister-in-law yeah your sister-in-law yeah did she was she a big part of like why you kept going as well just for so sure just, just to have you like i don't know kind of like finish something that you started for her not for her but like with her in with mind her in yeah mind. yeah absolutely like she so i had known her since i was in middle school like she was my brother's best friend and then they grew up and had kids together and got married and i think depending on like your culture and your beliefs you feel like people are there supporting you so even since covid has really started i lost both my grandmothers and i'm just like (laughs) i'm sorry to hear (laughs) no yeah and and for me it was just like i I know that they're there with me was that through covid for uh, no they they both passed for different reasons but like it kept my family from being able to go like to mexico and see them but it's like again i think you really have to remember who you are, like what you value when something this big hits you mm-hmm. because that's the stuff that's going to help keep you pushing through it. Wow, that's very <laughs> inspirational. <for sure. laughs> just because like, I, I started looking at my the people that were following me and I, and, I, and I just kept seeing like you kept people updated on your your condition and also mm-hmm. like your school where where do you teach well, what kids are being blessed by your <laughs> your teaching is Bless. it out here out here in the desert or, or kids out in la that... it's out in la so okay. i had um, moved out of the desert to go to cal poly pomona mm-hmm. and then from there like going into a credential program they place you at local schools and it just so happened that i got a job at one of those schools that i was 
student teaching at. So I'm out in the Covina area and just a bunch of crazy middle schoolers that are blessed, but are, they get roasted on a daily basis. <laughs> Ms. Gomez goes hard with them. <laughs> so you're, you're, you, you show them a little uh, tough love. Absolutely. Because you know that if you can handle certain things that they should, they should be able to handle life, you know? Yeah. You're, yeah. You're, I, I feel like, especially at that age, you're, you really get impacted by other people or what they say. And I think all of us have those experiences in middle school. That's a rough age. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's kind of just being that example, like, yeah, I look like what I look like now, or yeah, I'm, you know, I can afford a place to live. I can afford my car, but it's like, it took work to get here. And I think that's what a lot of kids forget. You only see the finished product. You don't actually see what it took to build that person up. So in middle school, were you a very outgoing person? Were you very... Um, you could say that. Friend, friend, yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I, I was that kind of person who, if I saw you sitting alone, it's like, hey, do you want to be friends? Okay, cool. Like, we're just we're just going to be friends. Like, I, I, I don't know. I never shied away from people just because... I think I think it's kind of like your whole story, like the whole reason you have the podcast. You never know what they're going through, and sometimes they need somebody to to be that person to reach out. So I'm an introverted best introvert's best friend because I'm that extrovert that's going to get you like out of your shell a little bit. <laughs> it, I guess it's really um, it's really hard to to read somebody mm-hmm. unless you like we've been talking about me and my buddies that this is very necessary to to sit down with somebody and just to get. Um, get to know them a little bit because you never like you said we never know what they're going through Um, I always try to compliment or uh, make somebody's day better by acknowledging them exactly and you can tell like they'll take that and it's like you're depositing a certain energy and then they'll go do it with uh, two three other people because they feel inspired to to continue that energy it's, and i think when people listen to this story your story um, <laughs> um there's no excuses i feel like once you listen to something like this it's like hey what are you doing like let's get it together like let's let, let's see what you start to look in, inside of yourself and um take jennifer's story and and run with it i, yeah. I think you empower i think that's empo- very empowering thank you so i really appreciate your bravery um coming in like going into your diagnosis um uh, and having no ability to take anybody with you to your appointments mm-hmm. and stuff like that um it must have been very tough no it was um i think the all of the stuff leading up to having a double mastectomy like it was okay because i knew they were going to be kind of quicker stuff but my my surgery they said was up to like six hours and like normally you go to the hospital like even like it sucks because covid even took away like the ability for somebody to be there if their wife's giving birth or whatever it may be right so like for me like this was this was huge like i was gonna be <laughs> under anesthesia for six hours with like three hours of prep going into my surgery and nobody could be there and i'm so thankful because like even though like that memory will haunt me forever of like my mom dropping me off at the hospital like okay good luck like i'm so thankful that i had nurses who cared like i had an older nurse who was just like oh my gosh you're just like around my daughter's age like i'm so sorry you're going through this but like she 
let me cry she like hugged me like even though it was covid it was like they were there for you Mm -hmm. so every little like piece of like good that you bring into somebody's day is super helpful because again even even if you do know what they're going through sometimes maybe they haven't heard something in a minute and they need that reassurance so it it was definitely hard going through a lot of these things alone and like not having somebody there because i stayed overnight at the hospital six hour operation six hours yeah so it was hard not waking up to like family but again i'm thankful for you know those nurses who even though they've been working who knows how long that day yeah could still manage to like be kind to somebody who they know is like scared um you said that the the nurse said that she you were like her daughter's age mm-hmm. you're pretty young you know yeah. and you, then you also said that you had genetic testing what kind of what happened like is this an abnormality something like like a freak cell like pretty much like like i said it wasn't supposed to happen to me like on paper right this should have never happened and so like you go to i have so many specialists now as doctors but like i go to my oncologist and he's like we can't tell you why this happened but we can tell you it's not it's not because of the deodorant you use it's not because of the food that you eat that's just not not how it works um so it's it's just crazy because you have something that happened to you and you're just never gonna know why. What do you usually? What would you say to somebody that just got a diagnosis and and is looking around like ready to ball out and cry and and, and let all the emotions? Because you probably thought at one point like, "Damn, my life is over." Mm, I did. It does run through your head, you know. No, absolutely. Like whether it was um, because of the surgery or because early on you don't know what stage you're at. It's not until you have that surgery that they can tell you this is exactly where you're at in your cancer stage. Um, but if somebody like right now is just finding a lump or or finding out that it is cancerous, like m- my biggest thing is is find that like close bubble. Or now with thankfully that's the positive of social media hashtag find a hashtag and find people that like you can just vent to even if you don't know them like there are going to be people who are completely willing to share their story with you to provide you some of that comfort but for sure cry it out like you need to like need to grieve yeah Yeah. as as brave as i i i feel like i have been i had so many days where all i did was just cry and and that's that's what's being human you need to acknowledge like what you're feeling after you cry you feel better a hundred percent after you go through those emotions you feel better yeah you can't get you can't feel worse you've already exerted that energy you're gonna feel so much better i've been crying a lot my my me and my wife just got um um some like very uh heavy news mm-hmm. so we we were halfway through our pregnancy or my wife's halfway through her pregnancy <laughs> yeah give her the credit there <laughs> she's halfway she's halfway through her pregnancy and um they found an abnormality with the heart our okay. baby's heart and so she's she's gonna be born with a half a heart oh. she, she, she's gonna go through a lot and so we start grieving you know we start to grieve things that haven't happened yet mm-hmm. and um instead of focusing on like the very present and figuring out how to manage that yeah. in the future of course you're gonna grieve and you feel like 
oh man my life is gonna be different or Mm -hmm. you have all these you're grieving for certain expectations that you think you were gonna have but that's what you're grieving for like you're not grieving for anything that you've lost because you really haven't lost anything no one's passed away um you you really haven't lost anything and you still don't know and you still don't know exactly so i think that that correlates with like the instant grief like the in, the instant a reaction of mm-hmm. finding out your diagnosis same thing my wife wasn't allowed to bring anybody into any of the ultrasounds initially and then after finding out what was going on they made an exception mm-hmm. going in there and that's very tough because she told me she's like i don't know if what would i what would i've done if you weren't there yeah. to see like or to hear the doctors give her all these explanations yeah it's so it's tough but i think um you have to express it you have to um make your bubble mm-hmm. and um hold on tight i guess and see what happens because yeah. you really don't know we can't, i i grieved a lot but i didn't i realized i've been listening like you said hashtag so i listened to um my my wife start started following i guess the diagnosis for the baby is hlhs so okay. it's like um i really don't know what that means <laughs> but I, I mean i do know what it means i don't know the name yeah uh, yeah it's basically the baby has the left ventricle mm-hmm. didn't develop okay so now you only have one chamber to pump uh, all of that all of the blood oxygenated and unoxygenated through the body so the baby the baby will have open heart surgery mm-hmm. as soon as she's born mm-hmm. and then um a few months another heart surgery and then if if uh everything goes well down the road like two three years later she'll have another one yeah and that will optimize her lifestyle to for her to be able to be um semi-productive uh uh, not very active child because of the risks of of her heart i don't know i guess i I don't know where i'm going with this but um it's just tough receiving that that first um diagnosis Mm -hmm. and and then starting to figure out like what your next steps are now that you had um you, you have had eight rounds of chemo right yeah congratulations thank you um (laughs) now you're just waiting for another diagnosis like another like results or did they tell you that you're so clear so that's where it like that's where it gets difficult and that's where like the emotional part of it like comes in so like first of all you're breeding a warrior in there like your daughter's already a fighter like that's incredible like thank you (laughs) props to her um but like for me i uh, we we think that we could have have gotten it all out with um just that surgery Mm -hmm. because um they do check your lymph nodes and they see if it spread and we didn't find anything okay um but chemo when they take all of the tissue out and they test it they run it against like a sample of other women who have similar qualities to mine not in age but in like the breast tissue and things like that and my reoccurrence score so like how likely it is to come back was pretty high it was like a 56 so i don't know if that means i'm part of the 56 where it is going to come back or the 44 where it won't you you can't determine that okay so chemo was like 
okay, you're 29. We got to make sure that you have life ahead of you. Because what if there is something still there? So chemo was like, okay, we're going to, we're just going to clean out your system as best we can. Um, so like, I've never fully heard those words, like you're in remission or we don't see any cancer stuff like that. So I, I'm kind of just waiting for like my oncologist to be like, okay, now you can officially just start to relax a little bit and like live your life. Obviously cancer is always going to be in the back of my head. It can come back and it has come back with people that I know. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think just, I want my my doctor to be like, yeah, you're 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 okay, you know. <laughs> but I have another surgery coming up on Friday, and it's like that one is to just kind of put those implants in that are gonna stay with me long term. And I kind of feel like, well, my surgeon when she goes in too, she'll be able to see does she see any new lumps forming or things like that. And that'll be like, okay, nothing has come back. We're okay for now. Okay. Yeah. So after after that surgery. Um, I go back to see my oncologist and then we do what's called hormone therapy. So breast cancer can feed off of different types of like estrogen hormones and mine was estrogen reactive. So I start like a pill for five years that like keeps me in, in menopause and medical menopause just to make sure that there's nothing in my body that's going to kind of like produce something new. So it's still a long journey ahead, but I've, I keep saying I've made it through the hardest part. That's pretty heavy, though. Like, yeah. Wow. <laughs> At 30 years old, I'm in menopause, y'all. <laughs> it's great. Hot flashes are amazing. <laughs> no, but that 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 does. Wow, that's so heavy. I didn't even know how to process it. That it's because you're so strong and you're so like lighthearted, and you talk about it like it's um, just part of life. Like I. Yeah. I mean, it is for you, but not a lot of people have that bravery. I think people just fold under pressure, and I think you're shining. You're you're Thank you. you're, you're a beacon of light for sure. And and I think like like I've said, it's not like I've just been like this perfect. Like mm -hmm. I never like you can you can see in some of my posts, I'm I'm crying. Like right. like that's it. But the idea that always sticks with me is again, I don't want cancer to have just taken everything from me. Like I want to look back and be like. Okay, 10 years down the line, cancer hasn't come back. Oh my gosh, remember when I went through that? Yeah, it sucked. But look at how much I still managed to get done. So it doesn't make you who you are. It's just something that happened to you. It's, yeah. not, it's not who you are. Exactly, that's, exactly. And it's like I said, I'm always going to carry this idea of kind of like, what if it comes back? Mm -hmm. But I'm always planning for it not to. Like, I'm not going to be like, oh, if it comes back, am I ready for it? Like, no. Like, it should be like, he, look at what, like, I have a master's. I still have kids to go teach. Like I am still so fortunate with so many other parts of my life. I think that's what we need to like remember because a lot of times that that gets foggy and we shouldn't forget that that stuff exists. <laughs> <laughs> it's true though. It's true. Yeah. As a teacher, you do have to look at um, the outcomes and not get stuck on like the the problem in the in the. Mm -hmm in the word problem yeah no yeah. and and it's like a, it's like i tell my kids like it's not that this was a mistake like this was meant to happen but if you're in school and you do make a mistake you learn from it so for me it's like what am i learning from this and do i want it again to just be that one thing that i'm thinking about day day in and day out it's like no so i've i've learned how to like communicate better i took charge of my body i definitely have <laughs> learned to appreciate my body and i think that's that's really important for especially women out there like 
so many of us are looking at our bodies so negatively like what can we change i don't look like these people but it's like at the same time our bodies are keeping us going yeah and like something like this like i have no sensation now <laughs> like i can never breastfeed a child again and it's like but that's okay because every other part of my body is keeping me alive so i can't always wish that i had lost an extra five pounds or not eaten that food because guess what my body's still going and i have to be grateful for that so <laughs> it's a lot <laughs> no it is it is though but it you, you you like you said you cried a lot mm -hmm. you um you had to grow you it's a learning experience um i think that's that's what where i've been with everything that's been happening in this the last few years um i was very introverted i was very like not social at all and i realized like my biggest my biggest hurdle mm -hmm. is to attack my weaknesses so i've i've been trying to learn how to do interviews learn how to talk to people um i've gained a lot of empathy i've i've gained a lot of respect for like you said figuring out or not jumping into conclusions of people's you know life or mm -hmm. life choices because i never know what they they're going through yeah and like you as a young um educator you have a lot to bring to the table and people might look at you as like this young naive you know silly oh, kid sure. that's that's ambitious or something but little do they know you know so i don't know it's just very <laughs> you're very insightful because you're not a lot of people choose not to talk about their or they would call them shortcomings mm -hmm. or or um defects or whatever I mean, you look at it as something that you embrace because now you can you can lift somebody yeah yeah i tell my i i didn't tell my students right away mm -hmm. um it wasn't until i knew i was gonna start losing my hair that i was like okay their teacher's gonna look different so i need to be straightforward with them um and i was like and, and this shouldn't be hidden because one what if one of my students knows somebody who's going through it i can be there for them too um and two like i don't want them to think that i'm ashamed of it so okay when i knew i was going to start losing my hair and i knew that like this is my past i'm going through chemo i told my students it was so hard to do it online too because like this is something that you wish you could just tell everybody face to face mm -hmm. um and ever since then like my students have been so awesome like really <laughs> shout out to them for one some some of them always like check in on me like hey how are you today like just or like good job like when i told them i was done with chemo those kids made me cry <laughs> with all of their sweet messages it was incredible but like i think they they everybody needs to see somebody going through something again and just overcoming it and they know that i've had bad days where like i'm just in class i'm like all right we need to take it easy today because i'm feeling super nauseous they're like yeah okay that's fine like let's take it easy and they love it too like it's a break for them <laughs> but like I, y people need to know that again one have empathy and sympathy for people because you don't know they had no idea um i go to the store and people think i'm fine i get compliments on my hair i'm like yo it's a wig but thank you <laughs> like i appreciate that and it's just i think through this through sharing your experience it really does teach people like be kind because you, you seriously don't know yeah you're set and you're also planting seeds of um of hope mm -hmm. because obviously technology now goes a long ways but 
emotional stability is very important especially when you're going through something this this journey is something very um taxing i guess you would say um your students do they really fully understand like the like how did you go about explaining to them so it was it kind of was a trial for me because before i told my students before they knew anything i told my nieces Mm -hmm. and one of them is right around that middle school age so i kind of like fed off of her and took how that conversation with with her went and then applied it to my students so they're all fully aware of like what cancer is but they definitely didn't they don't all know because they all haven't been through it like what that means on a person or their body or their hair or whatever it may be so i think through this experience one i'm so thankful because like they they built i think some of them really built respect for me like instantly through that because again they didn't they didn't know who i was um i've gone to teach at like fully kind of like latino high schools where i walk in and based off of how it looked they're like cool a white girl is gonna tell us what to do and i'm like hey hey, wait you entiendo espanol puedo hablar espanol wait what (laughs) yeah i'm mexican guys so it's it's again kind of like this perception and i'm i'm kind of knocking down those walls for all of these kids to be like whoa okay we shouldn't we should stop judging people too because especially at that age they they kind of do um that's kind of like what they live for and especially with their teachers they they just are like okay i i don't really know who you are should i really trust you and then by being so vulnerable i think it opens that window for them to come to me too and be like hey this is what i'm going through and it did do you decide to be vulnerable on purpose for that reason to to break those barriers to be i mean sometimes when when for instance for me i i share something as as um just with anybody to let them in i'll i'll share i don't know an experience or maybe something to do with our diagnosis Mm -hmm. with the baby and you notice a demeanor change you notice that people um i guess they look at you a little different yeah do you do you embrace that do you embrace that people um change change up on you or do you get do not get you know there's there's that that has definitely been a learning experience so like it it, it's been hard for me to like reach out to like old friends and just like compliment them on something because i feel like some people kind of feel obligated to be like oh how are you or like are you okay um but i feel like we're all learning Mm -hmm. and that's the thing that i've been taking to heart like there are again people who have never been affected by something like this so they're learning how to communicate with somebody with cancer um and for me i'm learning how to be the recipient of that type because normally i'm the one who's like always like oh hey how are you do you need anything and now i have to be the one that's kind of being taken care of but i'm completely open to it because it's again it's showing sympathy and it's like you never know who who's actually affected by it and maybe they can't say anything yet so it's they're kind of like warming up to you to be able to say something so it's just a game of patience and really a game of like really understanding we are all learning because we are all involved in some way or another well you're so grown up (laughs) no because it just takes a lifetime to get to that point and i think only with pain and suffering Mm -hmm. comes growth comes um it's true yeah you know like you're you you have kind of have the 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 tools to to help people learn that's why that's another reason why i brought you on the the podcast is because um 
as a teacher i always feel like we have such a i feel like i'm a teacher i feel Mm -hmm. like i i show people certain things and um i'm an educator i I work at a school i'm not directly in a classroom but we teach people indirectly or directly all the time just by we're always being a role model whether you're a good one or a bad one you're always being a role model Mm -hmm. you you do something bad like that's a bad role model yeah a good role model you know what i mean so now that you're i always embrace and i always like to highlight teachers and um I feel like you're going to be a great a great teacher in class. Thank be- you. Uh, when do you guys, you know, transition into that? Do you guys know? So we just, this past two weeks, just started introducing kids back in the classroom. We only have like 40% of students back in because obviously it's all it's not mandatory right now. Mm-hmm. So we, we have kids back in. I just got to meet my, some of my seventh graders for the first time and it was, it was amazing. Like there's no feeling like just just having people in front of you knowing that you're impacting their day and i think that's that's a key takeaway is like we all have our moments of of being sad and sometimes you can tell like that's that's what i miss about being in the classroom is like when they're on the computer there's this facade but when they're in front of me i'm just like whoa okay i got a really weird vibe from you well what is going on and you can really connect with them and you can really help somebody and so i'm i'm super happy to have my kids back in the classroom and yeah, it's behind shields and behind masks, but I think I think we all need that like comfort space. And for some kids, school is that space. Yeah, so they I'm, get they get away from the bad mm-hmm. just to go to like some kids eat only at school. Exactly. Some, some kids only get attention at school. Some kids run away from life at school. Mm-hmm. They, some kids yeah. I've, I've talked to them and they don't want to go back home. Exactly. Because of, there's bad stuff at home there's neglect at home you yeah. know what i mean yeah and yeah i guess teachers are very a necess- necessity um i just don't for me personally i don't know if the educational system is set up to you know transition kids back into school i, f- I feel like it's lacking in a lot of ways yeah as I- a as a teacher um i guess no one in the district <laughs> is gonna listen to this but what would be like um some advice you would give other teachers because i have a lot of friends that are teachers um what would be an advice to like those teachers that are kind of losing um their drive a lot of them are losing steam yeah for sure um for me this year it was less about this is exactly what i have to teach them out of a book as opposed to really thinking about like that social emotional aspect so any of like the Let's say I had 20 projects planned out for a semester. I cut that down by a lot. And I said, we're really going to take our time and we're not going to be performance task-based. Like, I'm not just be like, here's your test. I hope you pass it. It's like, no, we're going to take one thing. We're really going to break it down and work on it together. So by the time you submit your final project, all of you are going to get an A because we went super slow. I'm not overwhelming them with work. If I see they're completely like wiped, okay, you know what? We're going to, we're going to play a podcast today and you're not going to have to do anything with that besides just listen and just talk. It's not going to come with a grade, though. You need to like really just take a step back and realize the more you're pressuring them to be exactly the same that we were in person, the more you're pressuring yourself, too. So it is it is not that time to, to grade absolutely everything and give them the same amount of work. It's about making that little bit of work that you do give them really matter. Okay. Yeah. 
Jeez. Yeah, because I, 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 I work at a school, and then as soon as the pandemic started, my whole thing was like, yeah, that's it. We're, teachers are being replaced by computers. and mm-hmm. But no, like you need that social um, uh, interaction. Like, yeah, absolutely. Some of them don't know how to socialize anymore. It's funny. Like Kids will walk into the classroom without ever looking at me like hey whoa 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 look at me and let's say hi real quick like let's let's start working back to that because when when they are when they have been in school like they are super social you're always gonna have some shy people of course but it's like they need somebody that they know they can trust and not a teacher who's just gonna like be there because they're supposed to and that's their job is that is that your biggest goal is to is is to get teach uh students to trust you oh absolutely to, to develop the social skills yeah i think every little thing like if if this wasn't covid like with with some of my kids we practice the handshake because some of them are give you like a little fish hand and it's like wait no 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 that's that's super gross let's, let's practice that because because <laughs> it's more than just it's more than just preparing them for college because realistically not all not everybody ends up there some of them have to work because that's just the way that their family is and it's like but you're still going to need those social interactions. You're still going to need somebody to, to communicate with. You're still going to need to know how to write simple letters to like your boss or to somebody, depending on what the situation calls for. So it's like, if I can help you trust me, we're going to really start to build those like public speaking skills and those social skills and being aware of what's happening around you. Damn, that's very important. Mm-hmm. I feel like I wish I would have learned that in high school because yeah. i was very awkward i was like very direct i was very blunt mm-hmm. and a lot of those things kind of limited me from um developing friendships developing relationships where i could have blossomed a lot sooner mm-hmm. and i think that as a teacher that's a big responsibility for like personal responsibility um uh just carrying yourself as a decent human at, at I think that goes a long ways because yeah. all the educational stuff comes regardless. Like yeah. kids start learning from a laptop and iPad and um, maybe they embrace that more than, than an actual like whiteboard or, mm-hmm. or a screen. But the social construct is, a, is I think it's what we're lacking. Yeah. If you build that, you can really make them learn like, if you if you build that like foundation of that relationship with your students first if they know that when they walk into your classroom that it's not like a prison cell for an hour that it's actually their space Mm -hmm. they're gonna give you more of their effort and and i i see that hands down with my students it's they they come in and they're super excited and it's like hey listen if we're not doing something y'all can have fun y'all can relax but as soon as i need your attention we have your attention it's kind of like this balance because they kids kids aren't meant to go for that long just paying attention right. we, we we none of us can really focus for that long none of us so it's like it, it's really understanding how they're meant to still be kids and, and acknowledging that and letting them be and then giving them information and then giving them a break and just helping them out mm. okay so jen do you uh are you going to be teaching out there or are you going to come and bless the desert here with (laughs) um so i know for this next year for sure i'm staying out there just because with everything that's happened with my diagnosis i have my doctors out there and it's a matter of continuing my my health care with them because they know everything and they're the ones that have been doing my treatment um but the desert definitely has my heart like my mom my dad are out there my niece is out there two of my brothers are out there and i've always thought if 
an opportunity rises where I can go back to the desert, like I'm going back. The heat is going to take some getting used to, like for sure, because in LA it's always 20 degrees cooler. But I, the desert's home. Like people need to appreciate that. That's very true. Yeah. Yeah, it's very, it's a gem, and mm-hmm. a lot of people just mistreat it. Yeah. Um, do you have all your doctors like around the school that you're at, UCLA, uh, USC, or is this like a UCLA more? So where, where, where are you? So, so I just want to do a shout out to the, these doctors that are they're all they're all like in Arcadia and in Pasadena. Oh, okay. Yeah, and they're they're awesome. They definitely aren't just there to do their job the same way as an educator. You're not just there to do your job. You're working with real people, mm-hmm. and they acknowledge that. So my I have like a surgeon, a plastic surgeon, an oncologist. Um, I have a gynecologist, and then I had somebody who froze my eggs for me before chemo. Like. they're all out there and they've been super compassionate and amazing so if anybody ever needs doctors and can go out there go out there (laughs) Uh, is there anything else you want to share before we wrap it up i i really do appreciate it um i really appreciate you coming out uh, being so vulnerable uh, expressing and telling just just showing people that everything's everything's okay as long as you take it like one step at mm-hmm. a time um you just choked me up a few times that <laughs> I, I, I i think it just comes with um me putting myself trying to put myself in your shoes and figuring out like how uh, how frozen that would be to what what would be my yeah. next step and like you, you talk about it like all nonchalant but i'm sure it's like it it took you to took me a very lot. dark places yeah it took so. me a lot of having to overcome fear and insecurity and just i mean as humans the things that we're so scared of is being so unsure of of what could happen mm-hmm. but that's the thing what if something great happens instead and for me i'm still here i didn't think i was going to be at first I'm glad, I'm, like, I'm glad thank you i'm so glad too <laughs> um but it's it, i think that's what it is it's just we're so fearful of what could happen that's bad and we're never thinking of well what good come out, could come out of it and for me as soon as i figured out okay this is going to be part of my story i i need to tell it because there has to be a reason that i was diagnosed with this that i was given cancer and i think that's to be that person for other people that if they need somebody to talk to whether whatever it is even if it's not cancer i'm there because I've, I've had to learn so much about myself and i've had to just create even more empathy for anybody and and, and i think that's that's why why i was chosen to have this but not a lot of people would have that privilege to be like okay um you you decided to take on that role mm-hmm. do do would you say that people can reach out to you and you know ask you stuff no oh, absolutely uh, work and through facebook or instagram people can- any yeah like i'm i'm completely there i have an ig page just for my cancer journey if that comes up but if it comes to wanting to freeze your eggs because even just as women we're getting older like i've gone through that now i can talk about that or if you have a family member and they have no idea what to do like even if i don't know you mm-hmm. you can reach out to me if you have questions because if, if you don't know about something and you're curious, find out. That's the beauty of being able to learn. I appreciate it. Thank <laughs> you. Um, we're out, guys. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> wow.